0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The sermon text will be the epistle reading for today, specifically verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. I'm going to open with a joke. What does a bird and the Reformation have in common? A Diet of Worms. (laughs) I figured if ever there was a day I could get away with saying that joke publicly, it would be on Reformation Sunday. Now, for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, in April of 1521, there was an imperial diet, or diet they call it, uh, which is the name of a formal assembly or like a council meeting, and it was held in the city of Worms. It's pronounced Worms, it's spelled like Worms. And that's where we get our punchline, a diet of worms. If you have to explain it, I guess it's not funny. So, Anyway, diets, or diets like these assemblies, uh, that was, like the one that was held in worms, uh, they were held all over the Holy Roman Empire in the 1500s to decide matters of church and state because politics and religion were very much intertwined. And at these meetings, there were important heads of state and princes and royals and other church leaders. They were often in attendance. And it was at one of these diets that the people assembled to decide what to do about this man, Martin Luther, and his teachings. The Holy Roman Emperor, Charles V, presided over this diet. And so Luther, who had already been excommunicated by the Pope, stood before one of the most powerful men in Europe. And the Emperor, and the council that had assembled, and even the Pope they wanted Luther to recant of his teachings as they laid out all the different books he had written in front of him, And he asked for time to think about it. And the next day, Luther stood again before that council and before the emperor, and he did not recant of his writings. According to tradition, Luther is said to have declared, Here I stand, I can do no other, before concluding with, God help me, Amen. Some scholars doubt that he might have actually said this, but what we do know is what he said was this. Unless I am convinced by the testimony of the Scriptures or by clear reason, for I do not trust either in the Pope or in councils alone, since it is well known that they have often erred and contradicted themselves, I am bound by the Scriptures, I have quoted. And my conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything since it is neither safe nor right to go against conscience. May God help me. Amen. And by saying this in the context of the Diet of Worms in 1521, Luther basically said to all who had assembled, I'm not going to bow down to your power." By his words and his actions, he communicated to them that he can only stand on scripture and proclaim Jesus as revealed in the Bible. And so there Luther stood on the confession of his faith, and he was ready to take on the consequences of that actions, consequences that he knew could also mean death. It's from this story in history that we get our basis for today's theme, standing firm on the Word of God, trusting in God's promises alone for salvation, because sadly, our 21st century culture in America here has changed, and it's currently changing to be a place in a time where biblical truth isn't valued or even trusted. In fact, the very concept of truth is even becoming fluid And this has detrimental consequences to our society. But what can we do about it? We could, like Luther, say, here I stand, I I can do no other, God help me, amen. Or, in the eternal words of the 80s hairband, Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it anymore. For a society to function properly, there needs to be an agreed upon absolute truth. We need a firm foundation on which to build. When someone says, well, that's your truth, that's that's different from my truth, when you boil a statement like that down, you actually get something like, that's your opinion uh, versus this is what my opinion is. And it's possible that both opinions could actually exist devoid of any truth. But when someone's truth is anything other than what it says in Scripture, it loses all authority. Because if it's not from God... There's only one other source it could be from. And that means it comes from Satan, or the world, or our own sinful self. And that means it's fundamentally broken. If you've ever had a conversation with someone that has a very different worldview than you, one that doesn't come from Scripture, you might have noticed how how complicated and, and hard to understand it is. And it's because it's like they're trying to describe what they look like, by using a mirror that has been broken. The pieces might be there, but they don't fit together like they should. It's, it's segmented, and maybe there's even parts missing. That's what happens when we define our lives and our worldviews apart from God. Worldviews that are fundamentally flawed. They're broken. Instead, what if we use the perfect picture of who we are to describe ourselves, the picture given to us by God. A picture made perfect developed in the black room of the tomb. A photograph developed when it was soaked in the blood of Jesus, a photo rinsed clean and given to us at our baptisms. Because when it comes to this world, and specifically our culture, we need clarity of truth, a sure foundation on which we can stand. And we need to be on the same side. We need to stand together. Satan, in his attempts to attack, he works to divide us. To cause us to fight amongst ourselves. To to distract us from what matters most. But we must stand firm. Confident in who we are. And in whose we are. And when you have a biblical worldview... It might feel like society wants to shout you down or to shut you up, but you must stand firm. Not in an offensive position, but in a defensive position. And when we stand up for what we believe in, it may feel like we are on the offense, but we're not. It's God who leads the charge, and it's our job not to retreat. We must stand the line. We cannot give in. We cannot retreat from the battlefield. We cannot compromise our beliefs. It is too important that we not turn and run. So we stand firm. Like it says in Ephesians 6.16, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And trust me, Satan is firing his flaming arrows on the regular. I don't often get political with you guys, but today I'm going to a little bit. Have you ever noticed all the hot button topics are connected? I want you to think about this gender identity, abortion, divorce, the over programming of our young people's lives, worship of sports culture, adultery, the hookup culture, cohabitation before marriage, child and spouse abuse homosexuality and gay marriage, teen pregnancies, and pornography. This is a snapshot of what our culture is becoming. What do they all have in common? Many would lump all these together, and they would view them as attacks on Christianity. But sadly, it's, it's much deeper than that. These attacks, these hot-button top, hot topics... They affect people that aren't even Christians. You see, these are assaults on the very concept of family itself. A family as designed by God, which is the core building block of any society. It's in the family that we have the teachings of respect for elders and those in authority. It's in the family that we have the teachings that actions have consequences. It's in the family that the very foundation of what love looks like is laid down and built upon. The reason the family is so important is because it's at the core of how we know and love our God. God, the Father, is our Heavenly Father who has love for us that never fails. He's the one who's by our side through thick and thin, who never leaves us to wallow in our sin. Jesus is our brother. The one who died in our place so that we might be adopted as sons and daughters of God. The Holy Spirit works in our hearts to create the desire to live in such a family. One we don't deserve to be part of, yet we are brought into by faith which he creates. God's the creator of the family. And he's the ultimate authority to which we must bend our wills. We do so willingly because what what he has done for us. God is the source of all love in this world, starting first with the love shown to us by the sending of his son to die on the cross and to rise again so that we can be saved. But sadly, there are those who would like to see the breakdown of the family because it's the best way to break down the connection that somebody has to God. And the more and more the family's broken down, the more and more Satan and his demons wreak havoc leading people to despair and isolation. This breakdown is one that's happened slowly but steadily over time. It began decades ago, even before I was born, and it shows no signs of letting up anytime soon. And maybe you've even helped Satan in his attacks on the family. Maybe you've participated in some of the sins I mentioned earlier. Maybe there's a divorce in your past, or premarital or extramarital relations, cohabitation before marriage, looking at certain websites, or, or watching TV shows, or reading trashy novels. Maybe there's even giving up on making the family dinner a priority. Having the thought that this little thing isn't a big deal, but it is. If you've helped in the breakdown of the family, please stop. He who has ears to hear, let him hear this. That's not part of the life God's designed for you. That's not part of the life that God has called you to. And so repent of those sins. And turn back to God. Receive his forgiveness. Because we as his called children don't just stand against something, as in what's happening in today's culture. But we stand for something. And that's the biblical and godly Approach to family. and So what can you do? Well. You stand firm in the faith. You don't retreat. You don't give in. You don't not say something. Because it might offend someone. With of course the caveat. Not to be a jerk about it. And yes the arrows might fly toward you. The world may even hate you. That's what Jesus says. In John 15, 18 and 19. If the world hates you. Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. I forgot to put that up. You cannot retreat. You must stand firm. Now let's say you know someone who has a very different view of the world one that doesn't come from scripture how do you handle that you speak god's truth and you get one of two responses the first might be what you'd expect from someone who's hardened their heart and has turned away from god those are the ones you pray for the other though might be from someone who doesn't know any better there was a time after i picked up my daughter from preschool here she had to use the restroom uh, I, had to, I had to go to the one that was out in the narthex here, right across from the office. And as you might know, the lights in that uh, bathroom uh, function on a sensor. And my little girl is not very tall, and so she did not trip the sensor to turn the lights on. And I was watching the little crack under the door to make sure that the, that the light turned on, but the crack remained dark. And so I went and I opened the door to wave my hand in front of the sensor for her, but Before I did that, I saw my little girl standing by the little night light that's in the bathroom. She wasn't scared, but instead she was drawn to the only light she could find in a very dark situation. And that's us too sometimes. When we find ourselves in a dark situation, we look for and we gravitate toward any tiny little light that we can find. What's interesting is that my daughter hadn't cried out yet to our father for help to eliminate the whole room. Instead, she just clung to whatever she could find when instead she should have called out for help. Again, that's what we can be like too. Instead of calling out to someone who could help, instead of calling out to God, we just sit there. Or in her case, just stand there, Waiting. Maybe you know someone who's in a dark place right now, who's holding on to what little light they can find, someone who's just waiting for somebody else to come along and to turn on the light for them, to share God's message of love and hope and of salvation for them, to tell about Jesus to them. And this can be in all sorts of different circumstances. But grandparents, this situation is exactly where you can shine. Because all you need to do is stand firm in the faith, speak truth in love, and pray for that person. Now for us in this room today, we, when we stand firm in the faith, it might not seem to change the world or our culture. But for those individuals that we interact with, It could mean a world of difference in their lives as we love them to Jesus. And that's what makes it all worth it. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.